This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Ready to save the world. That's the message of Klaus Schwab opening up the Davos-Switzerland gathering of the World Economic Forum. Ready to save the world. For World Economic Forum founder Klaus Schwab, the timing for mankind is fortuitous, declaring to reporters that these issues, along with the climate crisis, must be confronted in Davos. Some 2,500 leaders gathering in the mountain resort for the conference, which began Sunday, including 50 heads of state. Schwab warned that at Davos there will be, quote, no place for the frivolous fringe that seeks to distract and divert attention, unquote. After the November 2020 election, former Secretary of State John Kerry and European Commission President Ursula uh, von der Leyen said in a World Economic Panel that Joe Biden presidency would help propel the Great Reset Plan. And Kerry said, I personally believe we're at the dawn of an extremely exciting time. Sounds like what happened with that musical group back in the 1960s. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. The dawning of the age of Aquarius. Who can get that mystery tune out of their minds if they once heard it? Among the White House initiatives toward that end, that is the Davos end, is pushing for a global minimum tax. Fact-checkers once dismissed the Great Reset conspiracy theory, as they called it, but Schwab made it clear as early as June of 2020 that the COVID-19 pandemic should be exploited as an opportunity to advance the globalist agenda. Schwab wrote that the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies. All aspects. Pope Francis called for a new world order in a book titled God and the World to Come. You see it happening. You see the woman riding the beast. You see it all taking place just as the ancient prophets foretold, just as the prophet Daniel foretold, and we see it happening right in front of our eyes. Unfortunately, there are so many other things that we're seeing in front of our eyes, like 20 school children butchered together with teachers and law enforcement officers, just butchered, nonsensically butchered. Who can avoid their eyes from such butchery, the savagery of it all, and the pain and suffering that it causes to unsuspecting people? Indeed, it's painful. The unfortunate thing is that we have been watching this scenario developing for a very long time and have done virtually nothing about it. In fact, reversed whatever could have been done and are actually increasing the crescendo of violence in our country and around the world. Perhaps shortly we will connect the dots once again to help us to understand what really is happening. But today we can do nothing about those 
20 who children who lost their lives unsuspectingly through one 18-year-old's violence. We can do nothing to resurrect them from the dead, but what we can do is take a look at something even more violent that is being prepared by world leaders, business leaders, governmental leaders, who are confederating, one could actually say conspiring together, to accomplish something so nefarious, so dangerous, so widespread, and yes, indeed, so violent as to take over the entire world. That is, in fact, what they intend to do and what has been in the works now for quite some period of time. So we're going to focus on that here again today because there are quite a number of things that have come out just in the last few days that are supporting what we've been talking about. A lot of people would dismiss some of these kinds of things as if they're just conspiracy theories. But no, they're not conspiracy theories. On September 11th, 1990, U.S. President George Herbert Walker Bush stood before a joint session of Congress. Patriotism was blowing like a wind across the country. And here are his words, the words of the 41st President of the United States, to a joint session of Congress. The crisis in the Persian Gulf, as grave as it is, also offers a rare opportunity to move toward a historic period of cooperation. Out of these troubled times, a new world order can emerge, a new era freer from the threat of terror, stronger in the pursuit of justice, and more secure in the quest for peace. Well, that new world order that President George H.W. Bush, the father of George W. Bush, he said was struggling to be born. Well, friends, that is being born right in front of your eyes. And over 200 times that senior uh, President Bush declared this new world order during his administration. It was historic. It was as if the world had become, shall we say, pregnant, and the president of its reigning superpower was deputized to announce the conception, long thought to be but the rantings of conspiracy theorists. But the gestation period wasn't given. The birth would come in the fullness of time, you might say heaven's prophetic time and Satan's false gospel hour to seduce the world. It would be, shall we say, man's glorious gospel of self-salvation, of utopian peace and of global safety without the God of creation and his biblical revelation. So a substitute God would be prepared, deigned democratically, without dogma or doctrine offensive to multicultural, religious, pluralistic world intent on global unity. The scriptures had said, of course, that when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, and they shall not escape. But such warnings, however dire, seem unworthy in the face of such lofty ambitions as a global order of unprecedented peace and prosperity. I mean, even Prime Minister of Britain then, Tony Blair, said, This is the moment to seize. The kaleidoscope has been shaken. Let us reorder this world around us. Today, humankind has the technology to destroy itself or to provide prosperity to all. 
Yet science can't make that choice for us. Only the moral power of a world acting as a community can do that. And that, he said, is a new world order. So, what does that look like now? What does that look like now? Well, at the very time that Klaus Schwab is opening the session of the World Economic Forum this week, Time Magazine came out with its latest issue, an article by the vice president, I believe, Yes, the vice president of Ukraine. What did he say? We need a new world order. Oh, really? Is that what this Ukraine thing is all about? We need a new world order. Indeed, that is largely what it is about, my friends. And we just have been snookered again. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Just as there is much suffering there in Uvalde, Texas, as a result of our nation' refusal to humble itself before God and to correct the problems of fatherlessness and broken families and uh, all of the other issues that are creating a sense of lostness and uh, the compulsion to violence, even so, while 20-some of America's innocent citizens had to succumb, give up their lives on the altar of human of, of America's continued pursuit of spiritual rebellion. Even so, in the world scene, the entire world is doing exactly the same thing. And America's leaders are actually leading the way in order to accomplish it, and the pain is going to be supremely great. Not based upon my testimony or observations, but based upon even the declarations and warnings of those who are actually calling for this new global order, this new world order. Try this one. Davos elites warn the nations not to resist painful global transition. That's the headline. A piece written by Art Moore for World Net Daily, Davos elites warn the nations not to resist. Not to resist what? Not to resist the move toward a new world order. Not to resist this new move toward a complete change of the entire world system with national sovereignties and so on. They will all be dismissed. National sovereignties are out. Global sovereignty is in. 
which will ultimately have to be led by a dictator, will have to ultimately be led by one person who will, dare we say, gain his authority in sort of a roundabout democratic republic form as the leaders of ten great nations or regional governments delegate their ultimate authority to him as the great white deliverer, the savior of a world's soul. His name, well, we don't know his name yet, but he's referred to as the Antichrist. He's referred to as the imposter, a counterfeit Christ figure. Now, the Davos elites say, don't resist us. This is determined now. Two European leaders at the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, Switzerland this week described the record gas prices as part of a painful period of transition to alternative energy that should not be resisted. Now, this is just part of the global movement. If you wondered why the gas prices are high, and are increasing. It's not because of Vladimir Putin. It's because Joe Biden is a globalist, and he is participating in creating the pain at the pump necessary to respond to the global unifying climate change agenda. That agenda is well understood to unify the leaders of the world to gain complete dominion and control over humankind on this planet. It is said that he that controls the energy rules the world. Yes, you heard that correctly. He who controls the energy rules the world. Therefore, America cannot, under those circumstances, be allowed to have such vast energy because that would put too much power in America and therefore defile the effort to create a global government. America cannot be allowed to stand in the way. So, the Davos elites say, don't resist. It's going to be painful. Oh, but it's going to be glorious. It's going to be painful, but it's going to be glorious. The German Vice Chancellor, Robert Habeck, said on Monday that governments should not seek to protect their citizens from the consequences. In other words, let it flow out. We are in control. Who is we? The leaders of the World Economic Forum. So much so that Klaus Schwab, as reported in the World Tribune yesterday, said the future is built by us. Who is us? He specifically talked about those who were present at the World Economic Forum. That is the us who is going to build the future. Not we the people. This is not about democracy, friends. This is about... How can you even describe it? 
It is seizing dominion, seizing authority, seizing sovereignty in the name of the common good. They purport it to be the common good, but it is not for the common good. It will be for the common destruction, as we are going to see. Speaking of the common good, Pope John Paul XXIII made this statement. On the 40th anniversary of peace on earth, I want to make sure I get this correctly here. Looking at a very, very long piece, a 73-page document coming from Xavier.edu uh, uh, concerning the world order. Here it is. The Catholic Church's teaching on common security. In his book, Peace on Earth, Pope John Twenty-Third said, quote, the moral order demands that a universal public authority be established, unquote. A universal public authority. Friends, that is a global government. That is a one-world government, and that is exactly what the current pope is calling for. That is what Pope Benedict called for. That is what Pope John Paul II called for. Are you beginning to see the theme? The Roman Catholic Church has, through the Vatican, called continuously for a new world order. Now, I want to be very careful here. We have a lot of Catholic listeners to this program. What we're talking about here is not individual people who have grown up in the Catholic Church. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about here is a governmental authority called the Vatican. It is the smallest nation-state in the world, but arguably the most powerful, because it carries what is called moral authority. In other words, not with arms, not with guns, not with uh, an air force or an army, but so-called moral authority. But if that moral authority is sacrificed on the altar of the effort to gain global authority, i.e. the woman riding the beast that is the secular government, the woman being the Vatican under the aegis of, a, of the religious aegis of a Roman Catholic Church, Therefore, the woman, the Roman Catholic Church, begins to ride the beast, the secular government, the resurrected secular Roman Empire, and thus we have the confederation of so-called religious authority together with secular authority that is combining together to take over the world. Each the secular authority, believing it will have ultimate authority, the spiritual authority, i.e., or quasi-spiritual authority, i.e., the Vatican and the Pope, also believing it and he will rule the world. Which one will win? The Bible tells us exactly which one will win. 
Have you ever read Revelation chapter 17? You might go to back, go back and read Revelation chapter 17 in light of this brief discussion. It tells you exactly what's going to happen. The secular authority desperately needs a religious or moral component to gain the widest spread trust of the people on the planet. Hence, they will use the resurrecting civil Roman Empire that is being united under the name of NATO and the EU is now going to use, as it has already, the Vatican and the papacy as the means to, shall we say, bless its efforts. They need the Pope. And the Pope needs them. Therefore, they are, shall we say, in confederation together. The papacy riding the beast of the resurrecting Roman Empire. It's happening right in front of our eyes, and it's being confirmed with every day that passes. You and I need to understand what is the dynamics of what is taking place, not because you and I can change it, because we cannot. All we can do is the best we can to vote uh, things that are put before us that God makes uh, possible for us to do. We can only resist to certain levels. But ultimately, the Bible tells us exactly what's going to happen. And it's not fatalism to understand that. Remember, there has to come a time when what God has said is going to happen. And you don't want to fight your, find yourself fighting against God. So what do we do? We, those who trust God and are not going to be complicit in this, nor are they going to run in fear, are going to prepare their lives, understanding what is taking place, why, and the time that we're in. That's what we talk about here on this program, to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. This is not about sensationalism. This is about providing you, those who will hear, with the truth concerning what is happening, why it is happening, so that you and I will not succumb to the fear that it might induce in our lives or the force to try to go along to get along and become complicit in the spirit of it. You don't want to do that. So now we go back to the warning that comes from the Davos elites warning the nations not to resist the painful global transition. You're already feeling the pain. You're feeling the pain at the pump. This is a necessary and intentional part of the transition. I said intentional. 
It's not happening because Russia attacked Ukraine. It's happening because Joe Biden and the leaders focusing on a global government understood that they had to, shall we say, trigger Russia to respond by trying to form Ukraine as part of the resurrected Roman Empire so that they could gain complete dominion over all nations that once were ruled under ancient Rome. That is now happening. And the increased gas prices are necessary. Barack Obama tried to do that. He said so. We want to increase the gas prices so you won't use gas so much. We'll get rid of your cars. It's about control. It's about global government. Does it sound comfortable yet? There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. In order to understand the dynamics of what is taking place, why it's taking place, and its historic and prophetic roots, I urge you to get a copy of my book, King of the Mountain, The Epic, Eternal, and End-Time Battle. King of the Mountain, The Epic, Eternal, and End-Time Battle. It'll open your eyes. It ties together so many, many, many of these issues in ways that you can understand. In fact, when you read the book, you'll wonder, how could this book have been written in 2013 when all of this is happening right in front of our eyes nine years later? Mm Mm-hmm. That's what people say when they read the book. That it's more current almost than current. How can that have been how could that have been written? Because God writes currently. God inspires writing that is current and so relevant that you cannot miss it. One of the biggest problems with uh, so-called Bible teaching and uh, ministry today is the effort to pretend to be relevant while diminishing the relevance. In other words, get away from the real relevance and try to make it relevant in a cultural way rather than in a biblical and spiritual way so that people can slide and slip and slide and uh, don't have to really deal with the truth. Unfortunately, that's what's happened. 
the Bible is so relevant that if it's properly taught in its real relevance, you don't need to seek other relevance. It's incredibly relevant. Well, let's move forward here. Uh, if you don't get a, it, well, first of all, let me let you get a copy of that book, King of the Mountain. It's a $20 book, yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Uh, give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 2. Three two five five. You're writing a check at five dollars for postage and handling. Now the other book uh, is Antichrist: How to Identify the Coming Imposter, and uh, that is twenty three dollars. It's on our website, saveus.org. Excuse me, twenty two dollars. Twenty two dollars on our website, saveus.org. Uh, give us a call again, one eight hundred Save USA. Uh, and if you get that and King of the Mountain at the same time, uh, you will be able to save $3 in postage and handling. In other words, instead of $5 each, it will be $7 for the two. Okay, let's move forward. Again, the Davos membership there that attended have been attending this week, this uh, yearly conference at Davos, Switzerland, have warned now the nations not to resist. Not to resist what? Not to resist the move toward, this final move toward globalism. They call it a painful period of transition. Norwegian finance CEO Kyrgyzstan Brathen described the energy crisis as a transition full of hardship, but insisted that the pain is worth it. Notice they're telling you there's going to be pain. There's going to be a lot of pain. Let me tell you how much pain there's going to be. Klaus Schwab made it very plainful. We could call it painful, full of pain and plain. When about eight months ago, he said, you ultimately will not own anything and will be happy about it. That's the great reset. You will not own anything and will be happy about it. Now, however you determine that, whether it's painful or not, uh, that's up to you, but that's what he said. Biden, Joe Biden, our president, said on Monday that the pain at the pump was part of, quote, an incredible transition, unquote. Notice he did not say it was due to Vladimir Putin. He said it was an incredible transition. Transition from what to what? Transition from you being able to freely drive, go where you want, when you want to go there, to the control, the absolute control by a global government as to what means of transportation you can use, when you can use it, where you can use it, and for how long you can use it. Biden went on in another place when it comes to the gas prices. 
we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place. That, God willing, he said, when it's over, will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. Joe Biden said that. I thought his message was, what we keep hearing pronounced on television is that it's all Vladimir Putin, that he did it. No. Joe Biden is actually admitting he is doing it. He is confederating together with other world leaders to accomplish the great reset and the globalization of the world. Germany's Habeck emphasized that the long-term issue of climate change, which was the focus of the Davos conference two years ago, has to be a prime consideration. He said the world must no longer be beholden to the rule of the markets. Oh, if it's not going to be beholden to the rule of the markets, who is it going to be beholden to? Well, guess what? It's him and Klaus Schwab and Joe Biden and the likes of the global elites, the Bill Gates of the world. Those are the ones that think they're going to rule and you will love it because they're going to just remove all problems and everything is going to be utopian wonderland. Biden has contended, as I said, that the record high prices, gas prices are largely due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But a video montage of the president's own vows during the 2020 campaign to eliminate traditional forms of energy, along with his actions on the very first day he was in office, suggest uh, something quite different. In a July 2019 primary debate with his Democrat Party opponents hosted by CNN, Joe Biden was asked, would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? How did he respond? He said, no. We will make sure it's eliminated. Had nothing to do with Vladimir Putin, friends. And then, here's what your president did when he first came to office. He immediately re-entered the uh, Paris Climate Accord. He canceled the Keystone Pipeline. He halted leasing programs in Anwar. He issued a 60-day halt on all new oil and gas leases and drilling permits on federal lands and waters. That halt affected 25% of U.S. oil productions. Had nothing whatsoever to do with Vladimir Putin. He imposed new regulations on oil and gas and methane emissions, and those were just a few of the things that happened in the first few days of his administration. You're being deceived intentionally. Klaus Schwab referred this week to the attendees at the World Economic Forum as the most impressive community for global cooperation. He stated the aim was transforming or resetting global society for the benefit of private corporations rather than the public. He has argued that governments are no longer the overwhelming dominant actors on the world stage. The World Economic Forum is the throbbing, blackened heart of globalism. 
the blackened heart of globalism. Why is it a blackened heart? Because, friends, the whole motivation behind globalism is anti-God. It is the effort to rebuild the Tower of Babel in our time. It is the effort to unify, rather than allow the nations to be sovereign, to unify all and remove all national boundaries and therefore be governed by a counterfeit Christ called the Antichrist who will be given all authority in heaven and in earth, so to speak. That was Satan's goal from the get-go, wasn't it? I will be like the Most High God. I will ascend to the heights of the north. I will sit on the throne of God. Archbishop Vigano, Roman Catholic Archbishop Vigano, is saying that this effort is high treason. trying to get the nations to yield their sovereignty to the World Health Organization, which is all part of the globalistic effort. He said the resolutions that are on the table right now will transfer sovereignty regarding the health of citizens to a supranational body that is largely financed by the pharmaceutical industry and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. If those resolutions are approved by a majority, The World Health Organization will have exclusive international authority in the case of a pandemic to impose all the rules, including quarantines, lockdowns, obligatory vaccinations, and vaccine passports, and the organization enjoys total immunity. In other words, there was no recourse that you will have. Does that not sound like a dictatorship? Question, are you really submitted to God and his sovereignty in your life? Not just theoretically, but really? Are you obeying his voice? That's our alternative, friends. It's time we consider it. We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. It's breathtaking, isn't it? It's just totally breathtaking when you see the dynamics of what is taking place. There, there's no effort to hide it anymore. 
It's all come out into the open. It's being presented as the great hope of Earth. The last great hope of Earth. A utopia. A one-world government. The seriousness of, of this is not geopolitical. It's spiritual. This entire effort toward a global or one-world government is a spiritual rebellion against the creator of the universe. This is the final rebellion. Are you listening? That's why this is so serious. And if this is the final rebellion that is in the works to raise up man's fist collectively against the God who made and preserved us a nation and the God who uh, called Israel the apple of his eye, if Israel and America succumb to this, which we are, by the way, the world has no further resistance. No further resistance. Except maybe Russia. Russia, from its viewpoint, sees kind of what's going on. They said, no, we're not going to be part of that. Well, they may have their other reasons why they don't want to be part of it, but they don't want to be part of it. And so the lines are being drawn exactly the way the Bible said they would be drawn. Mm-hmm. And then when you introduce the prophecy of Ezekiel 38 and 39, you begin to see the emerging pattern and how quickly things can multiply and fulfill all biblical prophecies so quickly. It's all happening right in front of our eyes, friends. You and I are privileged to live in such a time as this, and you and I are called to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. What would Jesus say to us amid these circumstances? He wouldn't just be preaching at us about geopolitics. He wouldn't just be warning us about all these things. You know what he would say? The same thing that we've been saying here on this program for 27 years. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not seek first the king of America. Not seek first the kingdom of a new world order. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not even seek first a Jewish state. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and live accordingly. Are you aware that when Jesus first came on the scene as a God-man born of a woman, he came during the rule of Rome? Rome led what was called the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, with an iron fist, 
That's why it's called the Great Roman Empire. Jesus came on the scene during that Great Roman Empire. Now, what did Jesus encourage people to do? Did Jesus encourage people to go to the uh, to Caesar and uh, beg him not to do this, that, or the other? No. Did Jesus say, oh, okay, I want you to go to the governor and I want you to uh, have a demonstration against the governor? No, he called him that fox. But Jesus' focus was, okay, this is the government that you have. Now, how are you going to live? How are you going to live? And so his whole message was the kingdom of God. the kingdom of God, live according to the precepts of the kingdom of God. In other words, conduct your life in such a way that you are really a follower. What are my followers? And if you do, there's going to be a price to pay. There's going to be a cross to bear. Count the cost. There's going to be a cost to bear. Now, in case you haven't picked it up yet, on this program for the past 27 years, we have periodically shared with you that there is a cross to bear. Jesus said, if you aren't willing to take up your cross daily, you cannot be my disciple. That's what Jesus said. If you're not willing to take up your cross daily, you can't be my disciple. In other words, if you're not willing to live according to my kingdom precepts, no matter what anybody else is doing, no matter what uh, Joe Biden is doing, no matter what Klaus Schwab is doing, no matter what the Pope is doing, if you're not willing to live according to my kingdom precepts, you cannot rightly call yourself my disciple, because you're not. Now, that message is not preached these days, because it doesn't mark it well. But that's the message of the gospel. It's good news because of the bad news, and the bad news is if you don't live according to God's precepts, you will surely die. Because you're under a death penalty, because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life, you see. But God expects us to live according to what we say we believe. That means we have to trust him at every point. So over and over again on this program, for years and years and years, we have been increasing the message, trust and obey. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, friend, amid all of the things that we're talking about here. This is not about instilling fear. It's about helping us to understand the gravity of the moment so that 
you and I will conduct ourselves according to the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord and receive his blessing amid all of the consternation and chaos that's going to go on. Does that make any sense? Interestingly, Archbishop Carlo Viano said that given that the yielding of sovereignty is considered the crime of high treason by the laws of every nation, and that parliaments may not legislate against the interests of the nation, it will not escape anyone's notice that this attempt by the World Health Organization to appropriate a power that properly belongs to individual nations is intended to impede any sort of opposition to Agenda 2030, which in the field of health care aims to accomplish the drastic reduction of medical and hospital services and to enslave the people. He says the psychopandemic that has gone on with COVID has demonstrated the enslavement of rulers, the political system, the media, the judiciary, the entire medical industry, and even the Holy See, that is the papacy, the Vatican itself, to the dictates of a group of functionaries of a supranational entity that has blatant conflict of interest. He said it's disastrous. And he likens it to high treason. And he's right. But it's not just treason against the nations. It's treason against God. That's where the real treason is. Treason against God. Those who are leading this global enterprise are all God-haters. I didn't say they didn't believe in a God. They just don't believe God. They don't trust God. They don't think he has any authority in their lives, and they know better. That's our problem, too. Because when we disagree with what God has said in whole or in part, in any part of our lives, whether it has to do with our businesses, whether it has to do with our taxes, whether it has to do with our marriages, uh, regardless of what it is, if we disagree with what God has said in whole or in part, we are actually elevating ourselves over his authority. It's called rebellion. The first king of Israel had that problem. And so the prophet Samuel had to come to him. Saul was all excited, telling him that he had accomplished what God asked him to do. And Samuel said, well, then, if that be true, and God told you to destroy all these animals, then what means this bleeding of the sleep that sheep that I hear about? What's going on here? Oh, well, uh, the people made me do it. Oh, they wanted to sacrifice uh, the best of the animals to God. And Samuel says, you know what? God didn't ask you to sacrifice. He just asked you to obey him.
He just asks you simply to do his will, to obey him. Do you know that that's how we have a Savior? His name is Jesus, Yeshua. Why is he able to be our Savior? One reason. He obeyed God, the Father, without sin. He's the only Israelite that ever lived who truly and fully obeyed God at every point. And that's why he is able to be your Savior and mine. Question. If you're going to be his follower and attest to be his follower, do you think God the Father requires any less of you than he required of Jesus? That's why Jesus himself said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. He knows you wouldn't be absolutely perfect, and that's why you need a Savior. That's why you need to repent. That's why we're in such a problem today, because we won't repent in this country. After 40, 50 years of calling and praying and all of this, we still won't repent. And repentance has to start in God's house. Brings tears to my eyes, because I know I've seen the rebellion from coast to coast, from the underbelly of the body of Christ, from pulpit to pew, seen it all. It's time, friends. These things are happening right in front of our eyes. The long-anticipated global order, one world government, and the appearance of Antichrist is coming rapidly down the pike, and we still won't humble ourselves. Why? I'll tell you what. Just ask the Lord sincerely, Lord, what do I need to do to come clean with you, to to repent, to, to prepare my way before you? If you're sincere, he'll begin to give you some answers. Might take a while. Do it today. Get a copy of the book, by the way, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter on our website, saveus.org, also King of the Mountain the eternal epic and end time battle. God bless, be a blessing. And let's prepare the way of the Lord in our own hearts. Shall we do that? You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 